Just the two verses then this morning. Then, verse 14 of Luke 4, then, so it's following those uh, 40 days in the wilderness, temptation and hunger and uh, that battle with uh, the fiend of hell. Uh, Then, after Satan had left him to wait for a more opportune time, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went throughout all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Well, simply this morning, uh, just three points to look at, to uh, hang our thoughts on together. Uh, There's the power, the place, and the priority of Jesus. The power, the place, and the priority. And uh, Jesus, of course, although he is utterly unique when it comes to our salvation, he's the one who cleanses us from our sins on Calvary. Uh, He rose again from the dead. The life he lived was for our benefit. To get to heaven, I need a clean life, and I haven't got one, so Jesus lived it for me. He wove a garment for me for 33 years, and by his grace, if I receive him, repent towards God for what I am and what I've done, and uh, believe and trust in him, he gives me his life as a garment to wear. And although I remain a a sinner, I'm a saved sinner, and I will go to heaven because I'm covered in his righteousness. But more than that, he also died the death that I deserve. Calvary, uh, he died as a punishment for my sin. Sin that would sink me to hell and bar me from heaven. Sin that stops me knowing God here and now. I might know about him, but I don't know him. And I was made to know him. So our raison d'etre, nothing else satisfies. Nothing, nothing. The world is not enough. Forget gain and a little bit more. Only God can hit the spot and satisfy the longing of a soul because we were made for God. Now, the work of Jesus Christ, his life and death and resurrection is unique in that, making atonement for our sin. But he also is a pattern for every true believer. And the work of the Holy Spirit through the Word is to make you and me more and more like Jesus. Let's never forget that. There is a template, there is a model that the Holy Spirit's working towards. Now, it'll never be finished, this side of glory. But let's cooperate in every way that we can. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to be more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we're going to see he conducted his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. So should we. We're going to see that uh, the place he went to, uh, his hometown, we have a responsibility to those who uh, are our relatives and uh, colleagues and uh, neighbours and uh, folks who we rub shoulders with day by day. And we saw, we're going to see the priority of Jesus Christ. Uh, He did many miracles, but he had one priority. It was all his business here below to declare the good news, and that must be ours too. So in that sense, he is a pattern for you and for me. So first of all, the power. The power. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee. So after after the great battle in the the wilderness, the devil tempting him, it seems, throughout the 40 days, then at the end he comes to him with those three or four, actually, if you take the insinuation to, to doubt, powerful temptations. But Jesus stands victorious. The first Adam fell so easily in a lush, beautiful garden. 
Uh, but Jesus Christ, the last Adam, stands in the wilderness in great hunger. And he's representing you and me. But the devil then leaves him for more opportune time. And uh, after that battle, Jesus returns. Now, he's not licking his wounds. He's coming victorious from that battle. And he's coming in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's um, very interesting to see that at his baptism, it's the Holy Spirit who descends on him. Luke 3 and verse 21 uh, descends on him in bodily form like uh, a dove. The Holy Spirit there at his baptism. And then after his baptism, Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So it's the Holy Spirit at his baptism. It's the Holy Spirit who uh, drives him uh, into the wilderness. And now as he leaves the wilderness and returns to Galilee, how does he do that? It's in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, do we understand the significance of that when he is there as an example for you and for me? Let's remember who Jesus Christ is. He is the person of the eternal Son of God. One being, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Who is Jesus? The second person of the one, triune God. Eternal, almighty, omniscient, omnipresent, all-wise. Jesus Christ eternally, the second person of the one triune God. But uh, around 2,000 years ago, overseen by God the Holy Spirit, uh, he is conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And he is born in Bethlehem of Judea in the time of Herod the king. So the person, the eternal person of the Lord Jesus comes into time and space and he takes a human body. He doesn't stop being almighty God. And in now this one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, we have not only the fullness of the deity dwelling in bodily form, and we see him, and he was seen there for 33 years. But between the eternal divine nature, there is now also, in wonderful union, a human nature. So who is Jesus Christ? He's fully God and fully man. He appears bodily, but it's not simply that God is inhabiting a body. He has now a human nature like yours and mine, and yet those natures do not intermingle. One person, not two persons, two natures, fully human, fully divine, and he's come to do you and me good. Now, here he is at the age of 30, and he's going to begin his earthly appointed ministry to declare the good news and to be our salvation. Now, notice this. He carries out his ministry for those three years in the power of the Holy Spirit. I've got to recognize that and understand that. It's thrilling to see it again. He could have, but he didn't. But he could have. 
as the person, the second person, the one triune God who remains fully divine, he could have carried out his earthly ministry in his own strength because he's almighty God. But he doesn't do that. And the Bible's telling us very clearly what he does do. He waits for that outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon him. He's driven out by the Spirit then into the wilderness. He's there 40 days. Now he returns to Galilee and it's pointed out to us by Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He returns in the power of the Holy Spirit. And every part of his earthly ministry is carried out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because this is what you and I must do also. Right? I am not divine. You are not divine. We are human beings made in the image of God, made to know God. Because of sin, we've been separated from God. We might understand that God exists, but we don't know him. And then by a wonderful work of the Holy Spirit, we are regenerated, born again. We've seen our need. Sinners before a holy God. Woe is me. What must I do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and your sins will be forgiven. Repent of what you are and what you've done. Turn to Christ. Then he'll wash away your sins. Wonderful words of life were given to me in 1976. And they're still wonderful words of life. Have they hit you yet? Or are they still just sort of bouncing off on the outside. And God saved me, and His Holy Spirit dwells in me, but I don't become divine. I'm being made more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I need the Holy Spirit to live the life divine. I can't live it in my own strength. Do you and I try to? If the Holy Spirit were not present with us as a church, would this service still be going on? Do we miss Him? Do we need him? Do we acknowledge him? What about my life individually? All I say and think and do, I need the presence, real power and presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Every aspect of the ministry of Jesus Christ will be carried out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus was given the Holy Spirit, we're told in John chapter 3 and verse 34, without measure. Without measure, you and I, it is measured. We can cultivate. We can, uh, we can offend the Holy Spirit by our conduct. We can know times of His withdrawal. Jesus Christ carries out the, His ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit who we have without measure. And so here we see again, just to bring before us of the Lord's people, that vital work of God the Holy Spirit and our great need of that present work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Again, it comes to mind, I'll mention it. Um, I've been asked, I have been asked in the past, why don't you preach more on the work of the Holy Spirit? I have no agenda as I preach. What I'm appointed to do and what I've done for many, many years is something I think is simple and wonderful. Take the Bible, open it up, read the passage, and explain it. And if the Holy Spirit is mentioned, we mention the Holy Spirit. Uh, if tithing is mentioned, as it is being in Malachi, I don't have an agenda. The Lord certainly does, and we'll preach on that. And here in this passage, uh, Jesus returned in the power 
of the Holy Spirit. I think that's mightily significant to recognize that. He's the eternal Son of God, yet he carries out his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. How much more me? And how much more you? Jesus never needed to be regenerated. He is the eternal Son of God, eternally generated from the bosom of the Father in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus Christ never needed to be cleaned up, sanctified. He was sanctified that he set apart and appointed to a work, but he didn't need to be changed from glory into glory. But what Jesus Christ did need, because he put himself under this, was the unction and the power of the Holy Spirit to carry out his earthly ministry. And so you and I, as Christian people, if you're a believer this morning, let's remind ourselves again the constant need of God the Holy Spirit throughout our lives, waking and sleeping, asking for the Lord to help us moment by moment. Enthrone thy God within thy heart, thy being's inmost shrine, he doth to thee the power impart to live the life divine. Now, do I find I struggle at times? Of course I do. Do you find that you struggle? Circumstances of life, situations, disappointments. A greater enemy than disappointments can be successes. Because I found in disappointments I'm drawn closer to him. I throw myself on him. In times of successes I can think, well... Oh, th things are going swell and fine. Do I really need him? I need him moment by moment. And it's he alone who doth to thee the power impart to live the life divine. Seek truth in him with Christ-like mind. With faith his will discern. Walk on life's way with him and find thy heart within thee burn. Now, does that happen enough? Maybe not. Maybe I forget the objective. Maybe I'm too busy in doing to really focus on being. With love that overflows thy soul, love him who first loved thee. Now, do you find yourself, do I find myself overflowing with this love? Because if the Holy Spirit is powerfully working in my heart, oh, it will overflow. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Is not his love, thy life, thy goal, thy soul's eternity? Serve him in his sufficing strength. Hearts, mind and soul employ, and he shall crown thy days at length with everlasting joy. Now, we're only here for a brief time. We're learning almost week by week. So-and-so has gone to glory. Well, one day it'll be your name that's read out by the good secretary here, whoever the secretary might be at that time, where will we be? Well, it sets up that everlasting reality. Now, while we're here, we have a task, and oh, how we need the power of God, the Holy Spirit, that unction in our lives, moment by moment. And so we need to ask, and so the Lord Jesus Christ later on in Luke's Gospel, if I'm spared and I'm still here in a few years' time, we'll reach Luke chapter 11, and uh, we can read this about prayer. So I say to you, Luke 11 verse 9, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we need to to ask. And I I really believe in our prayer meetings, uh, a central thrust ought to be for that unction on the preaching, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in the children's clubs, the ladies' meetings, the men's breakfasts, or... You know, we're we're busy doing, 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 planning. And if we're just focused on that, we get frazzled and disappointed and dejecting. We think, well, why isn't so-and-so helping? Or why am I the only one? And this is burden. Why hasn't anybody come? But if, if, if we're seeking him, and if the Holy Spirit is indwelling and empowering and energizing and pointing us and lifting us, keeping our vision clear, it's a joy. It's a joy. And you can spot individual believers who have met with the Lord. Their service, whatever it might be, is a joyful service. So this work of the Holy Spirit is vital for my Christian life. Living the life divine, he doth to thee the power in part to live the life divine. Without him I can do nothing. Without him I revert to type which is a grumpy curmudgeon, somebody my age, 66. You know, it's easy to be a grumpy curmudgeon. Just neglect your quiet time. Just neglect prayer. Oh, by all means, come to the means of grace, but don't engage on any meaningful level, and you'll be what you were, not what you really ought to be, but engage meaningfully. Pray, fight, battle. Ask, seek, know that we need this. And what a, what a transformation. Vital for my Christian life. Vital for my witness, the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember what uh, the Apostle says to the, that say to the Sanhedrin. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who God has given to those who obey Him. And so we need to ask. Vital for ministry, the ministry of Jesus your ministry and mine, whatever it might be, needs to be spirit-filled. You know, it's a lovely ministry to be on the door. You know, and uh, I've done it once or twice in my time here at St. Bellin's, uh, on the door. To have a, a spirit-filled person on the door, it's different. It, it really is so helpful. A warm, heartfelt welcome, putting people at ease, knowing that discernment, those who are, are coming in. Serving teas and coffees, we can do that in a delightful way. What a, what a lovely service to be at the hatch with a beaming smile, keen to, to serve. Oh, so many different ministries. And then later in life, wondering, well, what can I do? Do you know one of the greatest ministries of folks in this church is to pray? To pray? I know how we need the power of the Holy Spirit to pray. Do you, do you see yourself now? Um, I, I'm thinking of an old pastor I know so well. He's uh, in his mid-80s and uh, can't drive anymore, can't get out 
anymore and starting to feel a little frustrated. Stop, stop preaching, not allowed, can't preach, forgetting things. But boy, what he can do is pray. Pray in time. And changing ministries as age succeeds age. And what I could do when I was in my 30s, whether I was wise, you know, doing three or four camps in a summer, I look back and wonder, well, how did that happen? And my wife wonders, how did that happen? Uh, but, it, but it did. But I wouldn't do it now. I couldn't do it now. Maybe I shouldn't have done it then. But uh, different things we do at different ages. Keen to serve. Lord, what would you have me do? So that's the first thing. Uh, the power of the Holy Spirit on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now then secondly, uh, the place. The place. So back in verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went throughout all the surrounding region. The place, well, he returns home. The place where he'd been brought up. Now, 40 days have passed since the River Jordan. And the crowds were there around the Jordan. And uh, Jesus is baptized by John in the River Jordan. Um, the heavens were open. And this was quite an event. And if you'd been there, you would have noticed. And I was looking forward to the um, Perseid meteor shower last night. But typically in Britain, well, it was a spectacular meteor shower. Uh, the curtains are drawn and we, we, the cloud, we, we can't see. But anyway. To have been by the Jordan, you wouldn't notice this. <laughs> Heavens, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, and a voice, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And the crowds were there. And the declaration, this is the long-awaited uh, Messiah. Uh, he has come. And uh, they're getting very excited around the River Jordan. And then, suddenly... He's driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he's gone. Forty days passed by. The crowds who were there, they saw and they, they heard the expectation. And for 40 days at least, nothing. Nothing. Now today's the 13th of August. As if we're trying to recall something spectacular that happened on the 4th of July, if we were Americans, we would know where we were on the 4th of July. But we're British, so we haven't got a clue where we were on the 4th of July. It doesn't really matter the 4th of July, but it's 40 days ago. And if something great happened then, here we are 40 days later. But then suddenly, in the power of the Spirit, he now returns to Galilee. And he's going to come to Nazareth, uh, his own hometown. And we're told that a report... News went out throughout the whole surrounding region. Well, you bet it did. Or oh, the one who was baptized by the Jordan and by, by John, <clears throat> and thousands were being baptized there. Many went out from all the surrounding region to be baptized by John. They saw and they, they heard and he disappeared, but news gets around. He's, he's back. And if it were today and he were here, I'd be straight on my phone. And I would be on Instagram, WhatsApp, Facebook. He's here. <clears throat> He's back. Uh, a report would spread very, very rapidly. Today, it would. But it spread very rapidly 2,000 years ago. Uh, and not by Instagram, WhatsApp, emails, tweets or texts. It was word of mouth by the people. 
He's here. He's back. He's amongst us. The one who is baptized. Is this the Messiah? Is He the answer to our greatest need? He's here. He's amongst us. People were speaking of Him. Gossiping about Him. Telling each other about Him. And particularly those who've been there at the Jordan. This is the one. Heaven opened. A voice came. So the challenge to me and to you is simply this. We're coming away from Jesus now to the the crowds and what they were doing. Are we quick to spread a report about the Lord Jesus Christ? Now in conversation, what do we talk about? Think of the places where we have been set and placed. Do we understand that the greatest need for those crossing the seas on boats and those in Moldova and those in the Tesco checkout queue and those who you might meet advantageously in the streets as well as your family and your work colleagues and your friends, their greatest need is the Lord Jesus Christ. Their greatest need is Him. Are we quick or are we slow to encourage people to come and hear? Because, according to his promise, he's here with us this morning, ministered by God the Holy Spirit through the Word. He is here. Now, whether we apprehend that or not as his people, he is here according to promise. Two or three gathering together, Jesus says, I'm there in the midst. And the picture in the book of Revelation is a wonderful one. The seven golden lampstands representing gospel churches throughout the ages and the one walking in the midst is the Lord Jesus Christ. So he is here. Now how do I use my mouth? Am I encouraged? Would you just come along? Come, come to Heath. Come, come to our ladies' meeting. Come to our kids' Clubs, come to the uh, seven up meeting, come to the, um, come to the men's breakfast, come, come on a Sunday morning, or I, I, I'm be, come on Sunday evening, we've got a special curry night, come, come, because the Lord Jesus Christ isn't an optional extra for anybody in this world. You won't go home to heaven without him. You've got to have the Lord Jesus Christ, understanding who he is and what he has done. Now, our business here below, is to talk about him. So finally then, the priority, as time is whizzing on, verse 15, what does Jesus do? And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news or the gospel to the poor. So what's the priority of Jesus Christ? Well, it's quite clear. It's preaching and teaching. The priority of Jesus Christ is a spoken message. Now, Jesus did many things, miracles and healings and exercising demons. Jesus displayed wonderful compassion to those who were in need. When he healed the leper, as well as the healing, it wasn't just an abrupt, very well, you're healed. I told, filled with compassion, 
Jesus reached out his hand. I believe there were tears in the eyes of Jesus Christ. If you don't get emotional about the needs of people around and about, it can hit you suddenly. Maybe we still have hearts of stone. Jesus didn't. Tears in his eyes. I am willing, filled with compassion. He touched the man. Uh, be, be clean. So Jesus does many, many things. Now the miracles point to his identity. When John the Baptist sends his uh, disciples, are, are you the one we should expect? Or are we looking for another? And I believe he said, well, we'll get to it eventually. I'll tell you what I believe about that. But the answer from Jesus is, go and tell John that the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame are walking. Good news is preached to the poor. These were signs in the Old Testament that would accompany the Messiah. But his central thrust and purpose was to declare truth. I come to give my life as a ransom for many. We're going to Jerusalem. I will be beaten and spat upon. I will be killed. But the third day, I will rise again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall uh, be, 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 be rich. And the, the Beatitudes and the sermon, teaching, teaching, preaching and teaching. Here's the thrust of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. His priority is to teach. He preaches and teaches the Word. And here's the Word of God incarnate. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And He preaches words. And He focuses on the Gospel. And He gives wonderful words, beautiful words, wonderful words of life. Now I'll come to a conclusion. Three or four minutes and we'll sing a final hymn. What about you and me? What about us as a church? Now, we do many good things and understand me, and I'm sure we do understand, they are good things that we need to do, helping the needy. And we've got a reputation for, for doing that, helping those who are in need, doing good works, counselling those who are in need, I mean, you know, uh, if you wanted to see me, um, if I can help, I, I will. You know, fellowship together. Why, you know, hang around after a service and talk, because fellowship is important, and we, we help one another, but some are set aside particularly, and so here, here I am, and the pastor, and Pastor Wynne on his sabbatical, may the Lord bless him and bring him back fully refreshed, and Nathan the trainer, we have elders, and maybe you want to see somebody and talk through, and there's nothing wrong with that, a counselling uh, session about an issue that uh, you are grappling with, and there needs to be that confidentiality as you share things. And so we do good things, and we give good advice, but our central purpose is to preach the good news. May God help us never, ever to be deflected from that. And so Wesley in that hymn, it is all my business here below. Now he did many things. And all the good works and uh, teaching and uh, health care and schools and uh, but, but preaching, preaching. It is all my business here below to cry behold the Lamb. Jesus Christ, power in the Holy Spirit. The place he goes to his hometown and he's throughout Galilee and he doesn't move very far. He moves through, through the land 
and uh, the priority. He does many things, but the priority is always preaching. God has chosen to use preaching and teaching these wonderful words of life. Let me finish with a quotation from this excellent um, commentary on Luke by Dale Ralph Davies. He hasn't done many in the New Testament. He's renowned for Old Testament um, expositions and commentaries, but this is a superb one on Luke and uh, a sizzling Sabbath is the title of this particular chapter in Luke chapter 4. He's dealing with these verses here. He's given an illustration now, a true story, to emphasize the central point of preaching, not that we would negate good works and counseling. Here it is then. There's a preacher called Thomas Hogg, and he has a servant. Not bad, eh? He had a servant, the, the preacher, called William Ballock. Here it is then. Once Thomas Hogg's servant, William Ballock, lay gripped with fever and more, with doubts and fears about his soul. He crawled from his bed and up the stairs to Hogg's apartment to ask his counsel. But Hogg, that's the preacher, was preparing to preach and refused to speak with him then. Yet Hogg's, he's the preacher, dwelling was also his chapel. And since the walls were thin, Balak, he's the servant with the problems, heard from his bed the whole of Hogg's sermon. And amazingly, all the matters involving his temptations and despair were addressed by Hogg's preaching. And uh, Ralph Davies says, I know it sounds dated and simplistic, but sometimes you don't need a skilled counsellor or wise mentor. You just need good preaching, the lively public exposition and application of the Word of God. That's what Jesus was up to. He was preaching and teaching in their synagogues. Now let me emphasise again, not against the good works, not against it by any means counselling. But there's something very wonderful about the faithful exposition of the Word of God. And you come in with many needs, and amazingly, the Lord is able to address them in the preaching of these wonderful words of life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for a brief time in your Word. We pray, Lord, that you would take these wonderful words of life and apply them to each of our hearts to the glory of your name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing a final hymn. I think it's 480 in the hymn books. It was um, written by, if I find it here, Thomas Kelly, born in uh, Dublin, uh, went to university in London, became a lawyer, went back to Dublin, uh, converted, um, gave up his legal career, entered the ministry of the Church of Ireland, preached an evangelical message Sunday by Sunday, offended the um, leaders in that particular group at the time, and so he was ejected and uh, formed a group called the Kellyites. And for 55 years in Dublin and just outside, preached the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, may the gospel's conquering power be felt by all assembled here. Let's stand and sing together. 480 in the... Thank you.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.